I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Talking Taste Buds. I'm Venetia Falconer and this is my podcast all about food and how it fits into our lives and well-being. Adrienne Herbert is a personal trainer, fitness blogger, TEDx speaker, Adidas Global Ambassador and a mum. Now, occasionally I try to offer something super highbrow on this series, much like appearances from Oxbridge professors and geneticists, but honestly I wanted this babe on the show because she is a pure bundle of positivity and motivates me on the daily to get up, get running and smash life. She has a brilliant story and I really hope this interview gives you a spring in your step as the weather gets colder. Here is the beautiful and inspiring Adrian Herbert on Talking Taste Buds. Adrian Herbert, hello. Hello, Venetia. Welcome to Talking Taste Buds. Thanks for having me. Let's start as we always do. Okay. What did you have for breakfast? Oh, you know what? I really wish in preparation for this, I had had a really fancy breakfast because I knew that you could ask that, but it was really boring. I had porridge, of course, and I had a banana in it and I had almond butter and flaxseed in it. That sounds so good. I mean, it was good because I, I love porridge, but when I mean boring, it's kind of like, oh, you're a runner, you're a healthy person. What did you eat? Porridge. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I know you've listened to quite a few episodes. I have. I've had a binge. I've been loving it. I was like, especially as you said, I'm a runner, so I listen to a lot podcast while I'm running and at the moment I'm marathon training so those runs are getting longer and longer sometimes I can get through two episodes so was fitness always a big part of your life even from a young age I guess it was but I guess it was just never called fitness do you know what I mean yeah like I used to do all the um, team sports I used to do netball I used to be the girl yeah who was definitely like I wanted to be the captain of the team I was I did athletics club I did dance classes I did, yeah, very, very, very active, but I just never called it fitness. I just thought it was, yeah, fun stuff. And to cover some basics, where did you grow up? So How many siblings? Leeds. You grew up in Leeds. Yes. I can still hear like a little twang. Can you hear it a bit? Yeah. Okay. It definitely gets stronger. My husband jokes if we drive literally on the m1 he's like you just suddenly get your northern accent back <laughs> like what ha- what you're right love yeah he's looking like hiya hiya um but yeah I, I grew up in, in leeds and i have three siblings so i have an older sister i have a young sister and i have a younger brother so one of four yeah and when you were growing up in leeds who was the cook in your family what kind of food did you eat so cooking the family was either my mum or actually me yeah i i cooked stuff I think we all did my mum I mean we joke and she probably wouldn't mind she's never going to listen to this because she's so not techie she probably doesn't know what podcast is but she is not a good cook and I don't think she would mind me saying that so essentially I honestly think now one of the reasons I'm such a good cook is because I was like I'm gonna learn like (laughs) if you want to make something really nice you need to make it yourself so yeah I took on um a little bit of that role and my mum was a single mum so you know she had a lot you know work and for kids and you know school run and dropping us at dancing lessons and this and that so I don't think like spending hours in the kitchen was like even possible Mm -hmm. um so yeah 
we all kind of chipped in. I feel like you haven't changed since you were a kid, like doing a million activities all yeah. at once. Yeah. So dancing has come up a little bit. Yes. Uh, and I know that is what you went on to do. So can yeah. you tell us about your dance career? Yeah. So essentially I was, yeah, I was going to dance classes and I was also doing athletics. And I think when I got to maybe, I guess year 11 at school, GCSE year, my athletics coach was kind of like, you know, I really want you to come and train you know properly train more and kind of kind of pursue this you know but my dance teachers were like you know you should audition for dance academies and dance colleges in london and you could be in the west end and it was kind of like this uh crossing the road you know what's it called like cross crossroads yeah crossroads so i was like okay i was like if i do the athletics thing i have to stay here in leeds like that's boring whereas if i do the dancing thing it's like i get to go to london i was like what like i think i'd been to london once in my life so i was like i'll just do that so i auditioned for this um dance college which is called dorian bird um actually you know you know alice living yeah she went there too oh did she yeah, yeah so auditioned there um i went before her i'm i'm old i'm old you're not old i'm old well i'm older older than her so yeah i went there went there for three years graduated from there got an agent did all the auditions and stuff and i did like commercial dancing backing dancing and then yeah i did a did you do any music videos music video. i did a sugar babes music video oh, yes oh my yes. god which I one mean, i don't know if i even remember the song i don't know if you'd even spot me in it. i feel like it was like a mass of people and it was oh like, right okay just dance you know just yeah. stand there and then i actually did what did i do i did a mobile awards i think i did like a few commercial gigs i was like yeah this is cool and then yeah i did a musical on tour and then came into the west end and did we were rock you at the dominion which is mad yeah that's a big musical yeah. i haven't actually seen it but okay. i i've seen the outside of it and yeah. it's huge it was crazy it was i think how old was I then I was 21 and it was yeah 2,000 people every night you do eight shows a week and I was just yeah it was amazing it was a really amazing experience to just be on stage and think you know knowing like I said I've trained and danced since I was 13 which actually to be fair is quite late like most of the people who are the college with me were like I've danced since I was three I've done every single ballet exam tap exam this and I was like oh. I started when I was 13 I started copying like Destiny's Child videos, Michael Jackson videos in my bedroom. That was like my introduction into dancing. But it kind of, if I'm honest, it came natural. So then I think when I pursued it, it's not that I didn't, it's not that I didn't love it, but I know other people in the theatre industry who like live and breathe theatre life. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Whereas for me, I never really had that. I just was quite good at it and did it and was like, okay, this is fun. It was never like a lifelong passion to kind of be on the stage, you know? Right. But it must have offered so much. Um experience in what you do now because you know you do so much public speaking yeah. and you're in front of crowds all the time and you're yeah. leading workouts and yeah exactly so it must be so invaluable yeah is it true what they say about dancers diets like i know there's the ballet side of things which mm -hmm. is like super restrictive but then i've heard that kind of like more kind of show busy dancer diets are just like super unhealthy it's more about because you're moving all the time it's right. more about just like eating what you can when you can or yeah, what was actually, your experience of that i guess now that you think about it it might be quite true i think that might be quite true yeah when i think about what we used to eat in the dressing room and like yeah i think compared to the industry that i now am in with all loads of like super fit people and super like health conscious and all the rest of it i think it was definitely like in between the show it would be like where are you going to go nando's or wagamama's you know people would be having their haribo literally on the on the dresser people used to have red bull during the show it was kind of just like yeah like you're dancing and you're sweating and you're exercising seven eight eight shows a week wow so, yeah is that because there's a double whammy on a sunday or something yeah we had double whammy on saturday and then sometimes we'd have double double whammy on a wednesday so you'd have a matinee wednesday and saturday so where what happened next because i know you now as a mum to jude yes 
um where does all of this come in yeah so i'm in the show i mean we were rock you and then and i got married in that time so i'd met my husband rob and we got married in that time and everyone thought i was so crazy i remember the girls in the show being like no one gets married when they're 22. Do you know what I mean? They were yeah. just like, this is just lust. What's wrong with you? And I was like, no guys, this guy is just the best. I was oh, like, yeah, seriously. How did like, you meet him? Oh, I met him through his older brother who was my singing teacher. How weird. Weird. Yeah, very weird. But anyway, so we met, we got married, it was great. And then we got pregnant. I was like, not hanging around. I love kids. I knew I wanted to have kids. So yeah, got pregnant and I was still in the show and I had to keep it a secret, which Venetia, I, I mean, look at my hair. My hair is not my, well, I should say my hair is full of secrets. I can keep other people's secrets, but I'm an open book. Like I just want to tell people everything. So for me to not keep, to not be able to tell for 12 weeks was so hard. And like, especially in the show, you're wearing like different costumes. Like my boobs were getting bigger. I'd never had boobs before. <laughs> people were like, oh, why have you got big boobs? And then eventually I could tell them, guys, I'm pregnant. So yeah, it was really cool. It was really exciting. Um, but then unfortunately as life, you know, you can never predict what's going to happen. Um, and I learned that the hard way, um, when I was 19 weeks pregnant and my husband, Rob actually suffered a brain hemorrhage really just out of nowhere. Really. He was 29. He was super healthy. He was training for the London marathon. He's a PE teacher, you know, he's slim. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. It was literally random. Um, and as you can imagine, it was just life-changing really really life-changing and you were so you were 19 weeks pregnant and yes. 22 years old yes yeah it was a wow. lot it was a lot i mean i'd never so essentially what happened was i we went to bed one night we were just talking he fell asleep we had no he honestly had no symptoms no complaints of anything and then he just started having a seizure so he fell out of bed had the seizure I called an ambulance and when we arrived at hospital, he had another seizure and it was essentially just like, no one knew what was going on. Like I was sitting there in my pajamas, just being like, what? Like, this is crazy. What? I don't understand why we're even here. Um, but eventually after two weeks of different tests and being transferred to a neurology ward, the neurologist there kind of concluded that he had had this brain hemorrhage and there wasn't a cause and they didn't ever find a cause. They just said he was really lucky to be alive and just kind of said, you're gonna to have to take these medications, see how you get on. And once they discharged him, we kind of just kept going back and having like outpatient appointments and tests. And so we'd go from like an antenatal appointment at one hospital for like the baby scan. And then we'd go to the other hospital for like, yeah, neurology kind of uh, meet with epileptic nurses to talk about uh, medications and things to avoid and triggers and stuff um so yeah and Rob couldn't drive then so he couldn't work so it was kind of a really really just life-changing challenging year that I just I guess I just felt overwhelmed if I'm honest I was so young and it's just so much to kind of take on and then yeah and then the summer Jude was born so that was amazing my son Jude he was born that summer and it just brought so much joy and we were so happy and I think I kind of like not that I wanted to write off the beginning of the year, but I was kind of like, right, you know, Jude's here now. We're going to kind of just make big plans. I just wanted to do everything. I wanted to be like, right, Rob's getting better. Jude's born. We just, you know, I wanted to make big plans and really just not take things for granted because honestly, I know people say that they're like, oh, don't take it for granted. But when you've experienced something like that and someone's telling you like, he's lucky to still be alive. Like essentially I could have been a single mom. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that was a reality. So yeah, we kind of said, right, can we, as soon as this, you know, baby's born, let's make big plans. Let's do things that we enjoy. Let's spend our time, you know, having fun and with our family and just doing things that we love because not in a morbid way, but you just don't know. Like you don't know how long you've got, you don't know how many years you're gonna get to do things. And 
yeah, I just kind of was like, okay, this is, yeah, a new reality. And then basically I had, like, I should have had nine months maternity leave from We Were Rock You. But I think, yeah, I couldn't go back to the show because basically whilst my husband was trialing these different meds, he was still having seizures. So I couldn't leave him to look after Jude. So yeah, having a young baby and being like, okay, I can't leave my baby like to go to work was kind of weird. And I was like, okay, I can't go back to the show. Um, I didn't mind. I wasn't like, oh, gutted. I was kind of like, okay, cool. Like, what can I do instead? And I think it's actually my sister, my younger sister, who was like, you know, um, I've always been super active, like I said, you know, dancing, using my body. I've always had loads of energy and I was meeting lots of mums at like playgroup and baby swimming. And they were asking me like, how did you get back in shape? You know, like, how did you get a six pack? You've just had a baby, like one lady, in fact, cause I live in Hartford gym and like a lot of the, I don't know, the mums like me now, but like when I just had Jude, I feel like they were, one lady said to me, are you the nanny? And I was like, what? I was like, no, this is my baby. Because I think she was This just is like, my baby and these are my, this is my six pack. Yeah, exactly. So they were like, what's going on? And I think, um, yeah, essentially my sister was like, you should do something with that, you know? So I was like, cool, I'm gonna, um, yeah, do a PT qualification. Cause I was giving out all this advice and I wasn't a PT. I was just like, you know, do some lunges, maybe go for a jog. So yeah, I'd, I'd spent 18 months doing study anatomy, physiology, um, doing level two, level three. And then I set up a mummy boot camp. Well, I say it's mummy boot camp. It wasn't actually targeted at mums. It was just a boot camp. But all the women that came when people I was meeting at like play group and stuff. So some of them bought their prams, some of them bought their kids, some of them had older kids, and it was amazing. It was my really? first yeah, my first entry into the fitness industry was just it was so different to being in the dance industry, which was quite like competitive and yeah. everyone for themselves. Whereas in the fitness industry I found like straight away it was this really inclusive like women that were like cheering the other women on and you know I could make it kind of competitive in a fun way of being like two teams but it was still that team thing you know everybody wanted everyone to yeah like get through if we went out for a jog in the woods it'd be like we'd all stay as a group you know and I really really enjoyed that I remember that two weeks just being the first one was two weeks and I honestly I knew straight away I was like this is where I'm supposed to work this is what I'm supposed to do I love encouraging people and I felt like being yeah being able to do this this is this is what I'm gonna do so you found your you found your thing really mm, yeah how did your husband getting ill throw things in, into perspective for you in terms of you know like you said you were really fit you were both really fit and healthy mm. he's a PE teacher you're both yeah. slim um and you know I've been in we did an exercise class together and because of the the um, the way you look mm. people just like th th i remember this the trainer was like um oh you can do like 50 crunches extra than because it because of your abs mm. and i think there is such a kind of uh discrepancy maybe between maybe not discrepancy but we judge people so much on appearance and we also we do it with ourselves We're like oh I, like i'm skinny i must be really he fit and healthy yep. how did how did your husband getting ill throw things in, into perspective yeah. for you did it did it help did it change your the way you viewed health mm -hmm. yeah for sure so there's two things i want to talk about there i'm so glad you brought up that class oh my <laughs> gosh that guy yeah i definitely want to talk about that but essentially i think it i'd be lying if i said that at the time i was like super enlightened and like oh my goodness i'm so grateful to be alive like i definitely didn't feel that at the time at the time the feelings were anxiety overwhelmed i, I felt anxious about health i felt like well, you know, like you said, he was 29. He was slim, fit, healthy, PE teacher and running a lot. And I kind of thought, you know, you can't see what's going on inside your body. And I think that kind of made me anxious for a while. It kind of made me afraid of like, you know, what if I just 
what if I just, you know, one day something happened to me, you know, he just had a brain hemorrhage. What if you just got cancer? Like I started to just have this anxiety, I think around health, which is really not helpful when you're a new mum and you were sleep deprived because I think actually, I actually went to therapy about it. And I think that was really helpful because I think had I just let it carry on, I probably would have become really anxious about Jude getting ill and you know, cause babies do like they literally get one thing, they get a cold, Jude had a really bad eczema. So I think it's kind of, it would have been easy for me to become super anxious. But yeah, in time I kind of worked through that. And I think now looking back, I'm definitely so much, both of us so much more appreciative of our bodies, of being able to move your body the way you want to, going out running, you know, going to a yoga class, going to a spin class. Not everyone can do that. That is just a blessing and a luxury. So I think often when people are like, this is what I say to people when they say about, oh, I wanna have thin legs or, oh, you know, I hate this and that, I'm like, you really, not in like a patronizing way, cause nobody wants that, but just in a loving way, I'm just like, you know, remember that you can use your legs. Remember that you can go running. Remember that you're not, you know, suffering. If you wake up every day without pain, without sickness, without disease, without illness, like my husband has to take medication morning and night. I don't have to do that. You know, I watch him take tablets twice a day and you know, everything has, you know, good and bad side effects. But I just think I'm so grateful that I wake up every day without pain. Like, do you know what that's like? If you woke up every day for six weeks with pain, as soon as you woke up without it, you'd be so happy. Yeah. But for all of us, we do. And you know, I know we're all guilty of it, but I just think it definitely, yeah, in hindsight, I'm like, I'm so super just grateful all the time. Because I must admit, I don't appreciate my health until something, you know, I don't appreciate my eyes until like I wake up with a sty one morning. Yes, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's little things like that. We just don't. But I get the impression that because of all this, you really do. I and, really do. And it fuels the way you live your life. Yes, 100%. It's what's made me the person I am. It's made me so... I guess like ambitious and like, I just wanna, I have a sense of urgency in my life um, and not in a negative way, but I just want to take things on. I want to challenge myself to do more, to become more, to share more. I'm just like, you have one life, you're living it now. Like, why not go after those things? Like, why not? Last month I was invited to speak at TEDx in Berlin, which is crazy. Like, I love speaking publicly, but that was like, what TEDx, you know? So, and I shared my story, you know, I shared my story about my husband and, you know, finding running and everything. And I think there's two things. One, I felt like a bit of like, oh, this is actually Rob's story. You know, it's not me. I didn't have a brain hemorrhage. I didn't overcome. I'm like, this is Rob's story. How can you be like, my husband had a brain hemorrhage. So now listen to me. It's like, mm, it's to do with you but and then I also learned that of course it you know had a huge impact and I think part of me was like it's just I didn't want to be I guess maybe like a sub story or like that person that was kind of like you know like it sounds awful but I'm honestly Venetia I'm like <laughs> people joke my sister like I have like a heart of stone when there's that person on the x factor with a sub story and people are like getting the tissues and crying I'm like oh for goodness sake this is a singing contest can she sing or not so for me I'm like maybe that's why I was just like I never wanted to have that thing of people being like oh yeah this is her sub story or whatever so I was kind of like no I'm just gonna do my thing and you know, if it comes up in conversation, then cool. But I just didn't want it to be the defining chapter in my life. It's just something that happened to Rob, not to me, that we overcame together and yeah, moved on. Cool, I love that. When did you start blogging and what did you start blogging about? Yeah, so when I started my blog, it was actually called that'smymum.com. Yeah, it was called That's My Mum. And basically I started it again, thanks to my sister. I owe a lot to my sister. She was like, I think at the time she was working somewhere like in between uni and like maybe in her, while she was doing her masters and they were like talking a lot about, you know, getting bloggers to do stuff. And she was like, you should really like, you know, consider doing this. And I was like, mm, you know, like, I don't know. I just didn't really even know what blogging was, but I remember thinking, okay, I've got all these women that come to my boot camp, and they always used to say to me, 
I guess it was like after the initial two weeks, then I just do like a class like once or twice a week. So in between that, you know, they'd message me on Facebook or they'd message me and I'd kind of send them. Yeah, like I think I was kind of messaging them all directly one at a time. And I kind of thought this would be easier if it was all in one place that they could all see. So yeah, that's why I started my blog was essentially for those women and also for me to kind of just... I guess it was kind of like, you know, those Dear Diary blogs. It's like, today I took my son to the library. Here's a photo of us in the library. Like, I swear that's what my blog posts were when I first started. Cause I was just like, no one's gonna read it. It's just for me to look at nice pictures of me and Jude, um, you know, and I was a stay at home mum mostly apart from a few hours a week. So most of my life was, yeah, taking Jude to the forest and, I just, yeah, that's what I started my blog about. And you're now a global ambassador for Adidas. Yeah. How did that come about? And how did you feel when you got the, I don't know if it was a call or an email or a fax yeah. or a pager? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, well, yeah, so a bit of a jump. So what I was doing is I started the blog and it actually did change from that's my mum. I changed it after a few years because lots of reasons, but I think, you know, Jude was getting older. We were trying to have another baby. And I just felt this like thing of like, it's weird. I felt like a bit of an imposter. Like I was going to these mummy groups and stuff and, there was all these like new babies and Jude was kind of three or I think he was going to be four. And I was just like, oh, like, I don't know. I just, and a lot of the content that people were clicking on, people were asking for was fitness content, you know? So I was like, okay, let me just take this, um, like that's my mum thing and change it a li- little bit. So I changed it to just be Adrienne London because I was really, really creative. And just like, that's my name and I'm in London. Should it um, not be Adrienne Hertz? Yeah, exactly. I know. I was like, mm, whatever. People globally though, when you're like, where are you from? You're just like, London. Yeah, Harpage is just outside. Yeah, like Stans. Do you know where Stans still is? No, no. Say London. So anyway, yes, that it changed it up. Focused on um, yeah, kind of doing more of the fitness content, documenting you know training and running and all that, and how I'd got into running and how I was really loving running because I'd really just yeah, I'd fallen for running really hard that year. Like the year after Rob was ill, was when I found running. Was it just was that because it was just kind of a, a real escape for you? I think it was a combination of things. I think at the time it was free. It was something that I could do and just like put my trainers on, go out the front door and be back in half an hour. In your own time. In my own time. I definitely it was difficult to leave Jude at home with Rob um, in case he had a seizure. So it was definitely like, I didn't want to drive to the gym, do an hour, drive back. You know what I mean? It's too long. So I was like, if I just go out for a quick, like 20 minute jog. So that's why I started. But essentially, yeah, it was probably a massive escape because for that 20 minutes, I wasn't, Jude's mummy I wasn't worried about Rob it was 20 minutes just on my own you know headphones in or whatever and I just had 20 minutes so yeah I definitely fell for running and started sharing that and then obviously Instagram came into my life and again at first if I scroll right back to the beginning of my Insta it's like literally like me pushing a pram and being like we're going to the library like I don't know why that was part of our weekly routine but then um yeah I started posting about running and it was weird because I think the first time I ever posted a picture in like a crop top being like I'm doing like a boot I don't know it was weird because I just think now that is so normal but like do you know what I mean like a few like how many years maybe three four four years ago is it that long yeah it was it felt weird it definitely felt like I thought my like my sister or my friends or somebody were gonna be like why have you just posted this weird picture you weirdo you know like wearing a crop top like what are you doing so um yeah and then I think I started doing more of that stuff and then Adidas I think the first time I ever worked with them I was asked to do a shoot and then do some video content and the video content was actually for Facebook and so it was like workout videos for Facebook and me like being me I turned up and I was so excited obviously working with them and I had all these ideas and I think normally if they'd had like fitness models you're supposed to just come in put on the outfit do the 
thing and that's it whereas I was like we could do this and I've got this idea and what about this and like oh this would look great and like the photographer was like yeah cool let's try that and then I think the um I think there was other people there from like a PR agency and yeah I think the whole day was just so fun that I was just like this is awesome so yeah the relationship grew with them and a few months later I became a brand ambassador and I have been for the last 18 months which is so cool. Yeah, it is so cool. We get to do such amazing things. And I know people are going to think, well, you're an Adidas ambassador, so you're biased. But I, I just love everything that that brand is doing. They champion women in sport. They put women at the front and center. They're, you know, they care about the environment. They're doing so much for, you know, plastic pollution. And they really are like championing people who are change makers, people who have a voice. They're trying to kind of, you know, you don't like, look at me, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not, you know, a celebrity, I'm nobody. And I'm a global ambassador for them. And they shoot campaigns with me and put it in the shop window of Oxford Circus, like, you know, crazy. And I think they just, they really just champion women that are, and I hate to say like real women, cause aren't we all real women? Like, I really hate that. Preach. You know, like real women, but yeah, mothers, runners, yogis, boxers, whatever. They just, yeah, love women in sport, which is awesome to be a part of. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are someone a lot of people go to for motivation i think that's fair to say uh like i when i watch your instagram videos of you running so freely and looking so happy i'm like oh that really makes me want to go for a run and all the speaking you do is highly motivational but where do you get your motivation from is it everything that happened with rob yeah i guess it's probably a combination it's definitely a lot to do with that situation and just being like i think often when you've like I said, right, going back to, I guess, my mom being a single mom, four kids, etc. I think sometimes people have this, I guess, belief that that's what they've got to do and they can't do anything else. And I guess now we're in this amazing time where we all have access to everything, right? So I think if you have an iPhone, you have access to so much info, like all these amazing speakers and YouTube and like podcasts. And there's just so much that you can hear and learn. So I think for me, like I definitely get motivation from, yeah, my past experiences and being like, wow, okay, you know, if I want to do something, I can make it happen. And I think, you know, knowing that you can just work hard and it sounds so lame and like so basic, but literally if you work hard at something, you can literally achieve anything. And like, you know how the whole 100,000 hours thing or just anything, like if you wanna learn a new language, if you wanna write a book, if you wanna run a business, if you wanna run a marathon, like whatever it is, there's a way now, if you've got a will, there's a thousand ways. You know, like listen to a podcast about it, reach out to somebody about it, watch YouTube videos, how-to videos. That didn't exist years ago. Like for my mum, like I guess, you know, she didn't have YouTube how-tos of like how to start your own website or build your own brand. Or now I just think we can literally do 
anything. And we have this phone, which literally has everything. So I'm kind of just like, if you're not doing it, you know, if you don't want to, that's different. You know, I think often people, if they're super happy doing what they're doing, they don't want to change it, then that's fine. But I think when people come to me for motivation, it's because they want to change something and they don't, either they don't believe that they can, like they don't, they just need someone to give them permission to be like, I see your potential. I believe you can do it. And they start to go, oh, maybe I can, or they don't know where to start, you know? So do you think that's the key? Because I feel like a lot of people think, oh, I really want to to start this thing. And, and potentially it's something where they're going to be putting themselves out there, whether it's on camera or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Do you think the key, when someone says that to me, I'm just like, just do it, just start. Yeah. And they're like, but, how do you think the key is to get that permission from someone else do you think that's the defining feature or do you think it they need to shift their mind in some way how can they kind of break through that barrier to think i really want to do this and yes i'm gonna do it yeah i think it totally depends on the person because i know some people they need that external validation so they need someone else to tell them yes you can do this i believe in you go for it they almost need that permission and i think often what happens with a lot of people that i speak to is that because the people who around them love them and care about them i.e their mom or their you know partner whatever people who love you don't want to see you get hurt they don't want to see you fail and essentially failure is painful so they're like oh be careful or don't get your hopes up or don't go for that you know what i mean like i know i just hear that from a lot of people they're like their parents want them to play it safe or like you know when they leave uni or just get this job or they kind of just feel yeah fear fear holds so many people back and again it sounds cheesy people hear that they're like oh you know fear holds you back but it's so true it's like listening to why they don't want you to do it or why they don't that goes into you thinking oh i'm not good enough but essentially you're more than good enough you're more than capable it's just that yeah they don't want to see you fail so often i think if the person if there's someone around you who's kind of telling you like you know you probably can't do that or you're not experienced enough or whatever then kind of saying to them look I want to do this. Like, I really would mean a lot to me if you would support me in this. And if I fail, I'll be okay. Like, I can just get over it. It'll be fine. And I think on the other side is people telling themselves that, you know what I mean? So fair enough. You don't need anyone else to tell you. You've decided you're going to do something. And then I think not kind of two things, not overthinking it and being like, it has to be this perfect thing that I figured it all out before I start. Because often people do that. They're like perfectionists. It's got to be 100% perfect. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. The perfect circumstances don't exist. The perfect day, like just start today. Today is the perfect day. Today is the perfect day to start, not even tomorrow. So yeah, I think kind of having a word with yourself and just being like, if you're just going to keep putting it off, if you're just going to keep holding yourself back, the only person who that's, you know, it's only going to be to the detriment of yourself. No one else really cares. Like that's so... You know, I turned 30 last September and I was like, it's really like a liberating thing. I don't know, how old are you? 28. 28, okay. A lot of people have said this to me about 30. They either like, they either like have this thing of like, oh no, it's awful, I'm turning 30. Or they're like, yes, I am turning 30. Finally, let's do this. I felt like that. I was like... I just felt so liberated and it's like when I say no one cares not in like a bad way but like no one is watching you no one is criticizing you no one is judging you and going wow Venetia just did this thing or well Venetia no one's watching you because they're all either self-obsessed with themselves or they're scrolling onto the next thing or they're listening to the next thing so as as quickly as they've consumed whatever it is they're on to something else the world is so fast and busy so I think when you learn that sometimes it's like you know what yeah I'm just gonna try it because even if you literally when people say like I want to come to your class, but I need to get fit first. I'm like, what? Just come. Like, that's the point. Just come. And like, honestly, go for it. Put yourself out there. Do the things that challenge you that you kind of think maybe you want to do and you don't, you can't do. And you'll really surprise yourself. Yeah. Oh God, I love that. (laughs) God, I love that. 
I'd like to talk a little bit about the fact that you're a bit of a closet vegan. I mean, this is a food podcast. This is we a food podcast food and we yet. haven't talked about food enough. And I'm I'm conscious that I'm aware that you're vegan, but I that mean, it's not something that you really publicize a lot. And this is no, that's no criticism. I think yeah. that's great because yeah. I think there's a place for every kind of vegan, whether they are earthling ed, whether you're super preachy and visiting animal farms and showing how something is treated or mistreated. Yeah. Or I think it's totally fine to not talk about your diet whatsoever. I think both are fine. Yeah. But I would like to know... Um, when you went vegan and the reasons behind the fact that you don't share that much about it online sure yeah i mean i don't even use the word vegan which i don't know why because i guess i think veganism is a lifestyle and then you have to think about well do you wear leather and do you eat honey and like for me it was like i'm not eating meat or cheese or eggs and so people are like that's vegan adrian i was like <laughs> well you know so yeah essentially i think uh yeah I'm a, i feel like this is my coming out i'm a closet vegan i never tell people <laughs> unless people everyone who knows me you know like people who go on trips with me and you have to put your dietary requirements or whatever um or who have dinner with me i think it was yeah maybe about 18 months ago maybe it's coming up to two years actually yeah probably about 18 months and i think oh so many reasons but i just was yeah, like I said, I'm in this learning thing, you know, podcasts, YouTube, we're in this time where we have information, you know, we didn't used to have this info, we didn't used to be able to find out everything. And so knowledge is power. And also you can't unknow it. So like everybody says, when you read that book, or you watch that documentary, or you listen to that podcast, Ross, Russell Brand, love his podcast, so you, you kind of just are like, okay, I'm learning all this information. I'm a parent, I think of myself as somebody who's, you know, an environmentalist, I care about the environment, I care about the planet care about the future of the planet and essentially that was my biggest motivation it was never about like sorry because i'm weird but it was never about like the animals like oh a cute little lamb i was kind of like nah that probably would taste good but it was just more about like the consumption you know like this mass consumption of you know how we just consume how much water is wasted how much you know pollution how much just just how we're essentially destroying the whole planet just so we can all have meat three times a day which is just kind of crazy so the more I learned about it the more I was like I don't need to eat meat I could just not um and I've never actually weirdly I've never really had that much dairy like I hate cheese I literally hate cheese I hate the smell of it it just looks gross like when people are like a cheese board I'm like that looks gross it smells gross so the cheese bit was easy you're like every vegetarian's envy right now I, I feel know. like so many, every, yeah. so many vegetarians want to go vegan they're like oh but cheese. I cheese yeah I've never never had that so the reason I don't talk about it this is a whole thing I think people are obsessed with food and like not in a way of like oh it's really nice to cook a nice meal I mean obsessed with talking about food asking people what they should you welcome know, to talking taste, buds. talking taste buds but this is like a celebration of food you know yeah. it's like what do you like that I, do you know what I mean by obsessed it's yeah like, and what, not, not in a good way no and like a and also obsessed Something with like over obsessed obsessional yeah. yeah as a culture and I guess maybe it's just in the industry that we work in and being in London I think it's like you know what's the trend what should we be eating what should we not be eating this food is good for you this food is not good for you the same food that was good for you last year isn't anymore like all of this stuff and essentially i found so many people were asking me via dm or you know whatever you know what do you eat and like what do you um eat in a day like they asked me to do a youtube video what do you eat in a day and <sighs> to me they're saying i really want your figure well okay so if it's like an yeah if it's an aesthetic thing of being like okay what do you eat? Like, I want to, yeah, exactly. Often people say, especially because they know I've had a child, they're like, abs, how do you get abs? What do you eat? Do you eat carbs? Do you eat sugar? And it's crazy that I'm just like, yes, like, yes, I eat carbs. Yes, I eat sugar. But the reason I steer away from telling people like I eat this and this is because A, it changes every single day. So what I eat in a day, one day would be totally useless the next day. B, 
if you don't have my genetics, you're not the same height as me, you're not doing the same training as me, you don't have the same, it's totally irrelevant. See, I think it's very irresponsible for me to just tell people like, oh, you know, I don't eat this and I don't eat that because essentially when I started this whole plant-based thing, I said I was just gonna try it out. I always said that, I never committed. I was not like, from now on, I don't eat meat. I was just like, I'm just gonna try it out, see how it goes. And I still feel like I'm doing that. I still feel like- two years down the line. Yeah, it's crazy, but I'm still like, yeah, because what if one day I change my mind? What if I was like, I really just, yeah, wanted to eat something and like, I don't wanna make this like rod for my own back. That's like, oh, now you can never have it. And like, if I'm honest, I definitely, you know, vegan confessions, like I've definitely had- Are we gonna do a vegan confession box? Oh my gosh, yes. What what are you going to submit to the vegan confession box? Okay, Nutella crepe in France on holiday. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Straight that, in there. That ain't vegan. I was like, I'm on a holiday and it's Nutella. I mean, come on. And you're in France. Yeah, exactly. it would be rude. Like literally, and also, there's nothing to eat in France when you're vegan except bread. Like you can't have the cheese, which I don't eat. You can't have the like cured ham or whatever they have. Like literally every meal is meat, cheese and fish. So I was like, oh gosh, I'll just eat the bread and the crepes. Someone asked me like, do you eat meat? I'm gonna say no. If they ask me why, I'm gonna tell them why. But essentially I just kind of steer away from it because I feel like it's a boring conversation. When also as well, like it's always at a time when you're having a meal. So people, why do they do that? You sit down to have a meal, you (laughs) order your like veggie curry, they get their burger and then they're like, oh, you don't eat meat, why? And then you're like, do you want me to tell you whilst you're chomping down on your burger, why I don't eat meat? Don't ask me. This is not gonna be a good experience for you. You're so right. Yeah, like why are you putting me on the spot and then being like, tell me the reasons, like justify why you're not eating meat. I'm just like, oh my gosh, do you really wanna go there? So you do cook vegan at home, meaning you're bringing Jude up like predominantly plant-based? Yeah, so yeah, I just cook and I just, again, I just think of it as food. I'm like, we all, yeah, I cook um, lots of different things for Jude. He does eat cheese actually. He doesn't get his love cheese from me but he does love cheese so he'll have like um at school he'll say to me oh i had pizza but he also has um they have a blue option so basically at school they have the red option which is meat they have the green option which is veggie and they have the blue option which is vegan no way i know but the thing is the red option changes every day it's a different meal the green option changes every day but the blue option is jacket potato and beans every day so Jude has jacket potato and beans like nearly every day. That boy is a walking fart machine. <laughs> Honestly, you're talking about vegan bowels. Like he literally is like, so yeah. So sometimes he'll say to me, oh, I had pizza at school. And I'm like, cool, you know, I'm never going to be like, oh, you can't have cheese, whatever. I feel like, and he's never eaten meat, which is not down to me. He never ate meat when I was, um, when he was a baby or weaning, whatever, like one, two. And I did used to eat chicken and salmon and stuff. I would cook it for him. He never ate it. He would always either take it out of his mouth or he would just like leave it on his plate. And I just never forced it. I was just like, you know what? If he doesn't want to eat it, he can eat something else. And yeah, I think often people like who have said to me, oh, you know, but he's, you know, a growing boy. And like, don't you worry that he's going to be deficient or whatever. Two things is like, one, he is super active. He's tall, he's full of energy. He runs, he scoots, he climbs. He, You know, he ain't lacking in energy. And then two, I think there's children all around the world with such different diets. Some, you know, his friend who's Japanese, when he's in Japan, he literally has like rice and sushi for breakfast. You know, there's different ways around the world of children eating. And some children are, you know, incredibly, you know, they don't have all these options. They don't have all these different things. They literally eat what they have, what they get. And, you know, I'm not talking about malnourishment, but I just think we're so spoiled and he has so many different foods in his diet. He probably eats more foods than other seven-year-olds, you know, because he literally will have, you know, spaghetti, but then with it, he'll eat kidney beans and sweet corn and avocado and broccoli and tomatoes. So when people say, are you worried that he's not eating, you know, a sausage? I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm I'm assuming I know what the answer is, but how did it affect you know your training and your mm-hmm. running and your marathon training? Did yep. you were you surprised at the amount of energy that you that you had, or do you have to work harder to maintain your energy levels on a plant based diet? I was surprised. I was really surprised. I think my idea was that, okay, you know, maybe I'll have to eat more. I heard this thing of like, when you're vegan, you have to eat little and often, you know, you're going to be hungry. You've got to graze. And I was like, okay. And then I don't know. I thought I'd have to take all these different supplements and like protein, this and that. But essentially what I found was that I felt great. My skin was like better than it had ever been. People would actually ask me, they'd be like, oh, your skin, what moisturizer do you use? Or what foundation or whatever? And I'd be like, I'm not wearing foundation. Like my skin was better. I felt with regards to my training that I could train, well, two sides. One is that my recovery was good. So I felt like I wasn't getting like leg doms and like, you know, that kind of really sore feeling. I could literally run again the next day. Um, Which when I read a book called Thrive Diet, it was all talking about how, yeah, athletes who, vegan athletes essentially their bodies do your muscles apparently i don't want to be misquoted but apparently they recover quicker because you're not digesting you know like animal meat during the night when you're sleeping you're just you're able to absorb you know the iron and things better um but then the other side i found was that i had to really think more about what i was going to eat the night before a run because being going plant-based and having all these extra veggies and like making it interesting with loads of spices and then i'd go for a run and be like oh my gosh (laughs) my belly and i'd be like oh that's because you ate a whole cauliflower with like chili on it you know so i think i started to be like okay nights night before a long run need to eat a bit more plain stuff so think of it more in terms of like digestion rather than like yeah like can i energy levels yeah but yeah generally it's great and often now that i guess more people when they do find out they're like what you don't eat meat and then i'm sure lots of athletes get and runners and different people get asked about the protein thing and honestly like i don't use protein powders i don't i get all of my yeah everything from food i'm like apart from i'd say like a few supplements so like iron and b12 yeah and vitamin c like i take a thousand i drink the thousand milligrams of vitamin c every single day i'm gonna put you on the spot right now this could be really awkward or it could be really great what are we doing? Okay, so food. <laughs> I knew I was coming here. I was like, oh, I can't come here empty-handed. No, stop. What? Stop. You yeah. totally can come empty-handed. No. So basically, this is embarrassing because this is one of Jude's lunchbox pots. This is my energy ball, which is like my signature energy ball recipe. Is this one from your blog? Yes. Your high-protein energy ball. It's so good. It's honestly, I want you to try it whilst on air. Can I try it now? <laughs> Please do. But like I said, it could go terribly wrong if you're like, hmm. So what's in this? If oh you can gosh. explain while I nibble, nibble okay, on it. Okay, she's going to try it. It's huge. It's like the size of a cricket ball. You know, normally you get energy balls and they're kind of nice, but they're too small. I make them big. So it's got everything. Dates, cacao, maca, linseed, cashews. Are you, you're not allergic to nuts? Mm-mm. Oh, good. Almonds. Um, what else is in there? Some, is it good? Mm. Coconut oil. Mm. it's basically all the nuts that i have in my cupboard with dates and oil thank you so much isn't it good that is like literally just what i needed i had a couple of gin and tonics last night (laughs) rogue for a monday night right so i'm feeling a little bit worse for wear today well like you said you didn't have your coffee so energy ball oh my god thank you i feel like you've probably tried a lot i've had a lot of energy balls in my time (laughs) often because i attend fitness festivals where that's all there seems to be on offer. Okay. A million different date balls. How does it compare? Top of the list. Yes. Absolute top of the list. How would you feel about a quick fire round? Love a quick fire round. Quick fire with Adrian. Breakfast, lunch or dinner? Dinner. Tea or coffee? Mm, Rubus tea. Ooh. I don't really like either that much. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Water or squash? Squash. Elderflower or tonic? Oh, elderflower? Is that sweet? Turmeric or matcha latte? Turmeric. Matcha is gross. French toast or pancakes? Pancakes. Porridge or pancakes? Porridge. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Olive oil or coconut oil? Olive oil. Running or travelling? Oh, both. Running in a really new place. Running. Leggings or shorts? Leggings. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. Burgers or chips? Chips. London or LA? London. Paris or Amsterdam? Paris. Meditation or movement? Movement. Chocolate or nut butter? Nut butter. Talking or taste buds? Talking. I love to talk. (laughs) I am literally the person who calls people. You know, like now everyone just WhatsApps or voice note or whatever. I call people. I call people. It's something I've been trying to get more into. Okay. Because I feel like... I I love a voice note. Don't get me wrong. I love a voice note. I love a voice note, but I think having phone conversations when you can't see people is really important i still have two hour phone call conversations i'm not kidding how frequently all the time what are your three kitchen essentials these are three ingredients that knowing you have them in your kitchen makes you feel more relaxed about life okay this definitely changes seasonally but right now i'm going to say bananas i have to have bananas in the house and i actually feel like yeah i'm kind of stressed if i'm like oh i ran out of bananas because we all eat bananas every single day are you on the like overripe hype no what's that overripe hype is well i'm someone who if i see a banana that's not overripe i get a little bit offended and nothing grosses me out more than seeing someone eat a banana that doesn't have any brown spots on it oh no uh, no 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 not on that and actually my nan bless her love and miss my nan rop she basically used she had diabetes type 2 and she was like could only eat bananas if they were green but like really green so i mean i don't eat them like that but the whole brown spot thing no not on the overripe pipe no but we do eat bananas every day so we're gonna have bananas um i want to say garlic because garlic makes life better literally put it on anything bread pasta potatoes anything so garlic these aren't going in the same dish are they no no they don't (laughs) have to no uh what else one more i do love a bit of like sourdough bread just rubbed with some garlic Garlic. i just love and a little bit of olive oil yes actually olive oil is probably oh but now you said salt maybe yeah olive oil i love olive oil Mm. this is a new question for season three and i know you haven't listened to it for to any of season three so this is a new one what feeds your soul oh my gosh so many things first thing that comes to mind is music i love music i love to sing i turn it up loud i yeah music 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 also moving literally moving my body whether that is dancing whether that is running whether that is stretching jumping up and down on a trampoline like just moving awesome and finally, mm-hmm. what is your death row dinner, yes. starter main and dessert? Oh my gosh. You see, I've been thinking about this, Venetia, for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. After you asked me, I was like, mm, yeah, okay, I'm going to be on the podcast. I need to figure out that, just that gold. And honestly, it's so hard. It's so like hard. Every time I sit down to dinner, it's that, you know, like when you look at a menu for ages and the waiter comes back and then they come back again and you're like, it's not your last meal on earth, Adrian, just pick something. So starter, I want garlic bread. I want garlic bread. And I don't want that flat, like pizza looking garlic bread. I want a baguette. Yes. Main course, pad thai. I want a really good pad thai, no peanuts, no prawns. Um, a veggie, really good pad thai with a side of spring rolls and chili, or, you know, the sticky chili dipping thing. Sweet chili sauce. That one, thank you. 
And the dessert, now this I knew straight away. The dessert is a hot cinnamon bun and it's got icing on it and it's just so cinnamony and sticky and just so good. That's the first cinnamon bun we've ever had and I'm so here for it. Oh my gosh, have you, yeah, cinnamon buns. Adrian, thank you so much. We've covered a lot. A lot, not that much about food, but yeah. I think we covered enough about food. Really? Yeah. Okay, there's definitely a lot. But thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being part. so much for listening to this episode please do leave me a five star review on itunes if you enjoyed it and as always hit the show notes for links to my brilliant guests you can find me on twitter and instagram at venetia falconer hashtag talking taste buds to let me know who you'd like to hear as a guest on the show in the meantime have a wonderful day and i will see you next week for a brand new episode Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.